A pen and paper can be your biggest friend or your worst enemy because think about it. The moment that you permanently write something down, say you have a goal that you write down, you can actually look back at it a couple months down the line and figure out, did I actually accomplish that goal? How far did I come to reaching that goal? Or honestly, maybe I was lying to myself and I wrote that only to make myself feel better. And this is something that I actually did going all the way back to September 9th, 2009. I sat at a fairly interesting location, maybe not the most ideal location to do this, but I sat there, had a notebook, and I wrote down all the things that I disliked about myself with the goal of hopefully someday actually being able to overcome those and make a positive change in my life. Welcome everybody to the fourth edition of Happy to Fail, the podcast where we work to break the discrimination, to break the stigma associated with mental health challenges. And I do that by sharing my personal challenges with mental health, but not focused on the problem, more so focused on the solution. Because I strongly believe that if you're diagnosed with anxiety, depression, obsessive compulsive disorder, or any other kind of challenge in mental health disorder, we all have the right to live happy, healthy, and productive lives. And you can listen to a brand new episode each and every Monday where I'm going to be sharing the good, the bad, and the ugly of what I lived through, what I overcame, and hopefully you and I can motivate each other and motivate people among our community. In the previous episodes, we've talked about why this podcast is called Happy to Fail, the things that help me learn to love myself because I feel that it's often a challenge. My name is Juan Velas Court. I am a certified peer specialist that lives in Puerto Rico. Above anything that I've done, I've traveled throughout Puerto Rico. I've traveled through many states motivating others, but also I've been motivated by others. The most important thing is that I am proudly proudly a person that has overcome multiple mental health challenges going all the way back from when I was six years old to currently I am 29. I'm all about that wellness and self-care and motivating others through my personal experience. But this podcast is not a replacement for psychological, psychiatric support. So if you're somebody that is in need, hopefully this podcast can motivate you to want to seek some of that support. But if you're thinking that you're at an emotional risk, don't hesitate to contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org. And if you're from Puerto Rico, just like me, you can contact AMSCA's 24-7 crisis line, known as Lina Paz, at 1-800-981-0023. These are both uh, available 24-7, so don't be afraid. I know it's sometimes a little bit scary to be open about what's going on in here, going on in our head, in our mind, and we're sometimes afraid of letting those uh, thoughts get out there. But if you want to get help, if you want to overcome challenges and reach a new stage of life, I feel like that is a personal responsibility that we have to be able to do. I feel like one of my main motivations for this podcast takes me back all the way to 2009, talking about an entire decade ago. Time really does fly by, but at that point, I was 19 years old. I had received uh, treatment in Puerto Rico in the United States. I had been hospitalized for three months. I had graduated from high school, even though I didn't even attend my ninth grade graduation, and I attended my fourth uh, my high school, my senior year graduation, I walked down the aisle just at the very end because I didn't care about any of this. Because even though many mental health professionals 
had guided me. They had given me tools, the necessary resources so I could stay motivated, so I could control the anxiety, the depressive thoughts. But honestly, I feel, and I know that many people that are going through this, you can relate, even if they give you all the resources, if you don't believe in yourself, it is very challenging and sometimes even more frustrating to use those resources because your question is, why? Why does it matter that I learn all this? Why does it matter that my mother is sacrificing her entire life for me when I don't see a future in myself? So I would go to my psychologist and every time she would ask me, what do you want to do with your life? And honestly, I did not know, but I was fed up. I was fed up because I was growing up, I was obese, even though I had certain things under control, Overall, I just was not happy. I wasn't motivated. I was barely brushing my teeth. My room was a mess. And you can even walk through my room. And I'm not talking about becoming a hoarder. It was literally like, um, say we, we washed some clothes. I would throw it to the floor because to me, that was almost a metaphor of that's what I am. I am that piece of clothes on that floor. I'm going to amount to nothing in my life. And I do got to mention that there is going to be a slight trigger warning that I do want to point out right now because uh, the list that I wrote on September 9th, 2009, that was made possible because one day my psychologist told me, okay, Juan, you have a lot of things that you want to work on about yourself, but sometimes it's best to pick one. I feel like we all want to dominate the world. We want to conquer the world and do everything at the same time. But if you focus on 20 things, Maybe you kind of get the first one done. Maybe you sort of started on the second one. But overall, maybe you're not as productive as you otherwise could be. And in my case, she told me, okay, so just sit down in a place that you feel comfortable, in a place that you don't feel rushed, and just write. Write the things that you don't like about yourself, but the goal is that you want to be able to work on each one of those. So only write the things that you know you actually want to work on. And I thought to myself, this is kind of a dumb idea, honestly, because to me, it's like, I know what I don't like about myself. I don't like anything, but I realized I got nothing to lose. I'm already doing nothing with my life. I'm 19. I don't have a car. I don't have a driver's license. I'm about to go to college, but nothing's really working out there. So what do I have to lose? At this point, I had overcome a little bit of my social anxiety and just walking out in public. So what I did is that I had a backpack with me a small one like I usually have when I record this podcast and I started to walk around and walk around thinking, where can I just sit down and write? I could go to a park, but maybe it's going to rain. I could go to a room in the college, but I'm afraid that maybe a class starts and I got to leave that room, right? So, oh man, I, I wish I could, uh, I, I wish I could mask this and make it seem cooler than what it was, but I went to Subway not 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 a subway, not like New York trained subway. I went to like Subway, eat fresh subs, mental health lists. Maybe it was the only place where I felt comfortable eating a tuna sandwich, which is what I actually did. I remember. So I went to that subway and it had like four tables to the left. I put my, uh, my backpack on the last table to the very end on the left and then I ordered a, a sub, a whole wheat sub with some tuna, Swiss cheese, and I think I had some Diet Coke. And afterwards, I pulled out the notebook, I pulled out a pencil, and I have the list here. 
and I'm actually going to be reading out loud some of the items in this list because this was a very bad moment in my life. I had talked about previously that my goal was to commit suicide at 23 years old, and fortunately, I failed at succeeding that goal. But it was around this time, at around 19 years old, that I was looking at that goal and going, hey, that looks pretty good right about now. So I made sure to uh, skim through the list a little bit. There are some things that you can imagine what I was writing. And it's actually fascinating because in the previous episode, I suggested that you yourself go through this process and write it down in a piece of paper because even though you could do it at a computer, what I found fascinating about going through this process was not what I wrote, but how I wrote it and how my my writing skills, which are horribly, just horribly bad, they're really bad, but they actually got worse and then sometimes they would get better when I wrote slightly more positive things. So without further ado, I'm going to be going through the list and reacting. So dare I say, this is almost like my very own q and I'm, I'm asking myself and answering my, my own questions. So let's, let's do it. Number one, I am diagnosed with OCD. That was the first thing, the very first thing I wrote on the list. And I was fed up with it because I really just could not connect with anybody else that was going through similar situations. So I was tired of saying, I have OCD, but I have no... I have nobody to look up to. I have nobody to look at and go like, wow, look at how that person is doing. Look at how successful they are. If they were able, if they were capable of doing that, I can do that as well. Number two, video games are the only thing that helped me from killing myself. Self-explanatory. I mean, I I owe so much to video games. Uh, Video games and professional wrestling, oddly enough. Two things that when you look at the news, when you look at media, they say video games are violent. And yeah, some of the video games are admittedly violent. But for me, video games were the opportunity to sort of go away. And I'll be talking about that on a future episode. But they were the chance for me to become the hero, to want to conquer the world. And whenever I had these uh, anxiety attacks, these intrusive thoughts, turning on the PS1, turning on the Nintendo 64, turning on my Game Boy Color... Those were my chances of getting away, and I would actually smile. I would play these role-playing games, and they would make me feel so much better. Number three, and I'm probably going to lose track of the numbers because I'm really bad at that, but I haven't socialized with anyone out of school or college since I was 11. When I was 11 years old is around the time that I was hospitalized in the United States. I came back to Puerto Rico. I went to school. But even though I had a lot of resources that that were self-help tools for me, I was drained. I was tired. And between those ages of 11 all the way up to 19, I would skip school so much. I would would just not go to school. I had to be uh, homeschooled after a while because the teachers were really trying. I mean, I got to give them so much credit for everything that they did for me. But when you're desperate, when I... What I said at the beginning of the podcast, when you don't see an end goal, when you don't see a positive result in your life, what do you do? So what happened is that when I got to 19 years old and I did actually want to socialize, I didn't know how. I had no idea. I would ask people what's hanging out. You know, what do you do on a Friday night? And my kids, oh, I'm going to go sleep. And then on Saturday, I'm going to go sleep to the point that I usually fell asleep during the daytime. And I would wake up during the nighttime, during the nighttime, I should say, just to avoid social interaction. 
Number four. Wow, my writing's horrible. A psychiatrist is the only person I have ever felt comfortable talking to. I mentioned that the goal of this podcast is to be able to motivate others to seek help. And I know that sometimes we want to talk to our our parents, our caregivers, our you know, spouses, girlfriends, boyfriends about every little thing that goes on there. But if you're not a mental health professional, you got to be really careful with what you say because how many people, how many people listening and watching right now have been open about a certain problem, X or Y problem in their life, and the other person's response is, ah, forget about it, you'll get over it. And I'm not saying that happens every single time, but it can happen. And if you have built up resiliency and you can overcome those comments, that's fine. But what happens if you don't? With the purpose of being open, you know, with the idea of you, if you wanted to feel better, you can end up feeling worse because you're going to be like, wow, I opened up my life to this person and look what I got. Look at what I received. So you got to be really careful about that and speak into my psychiatrist who I, and I had the same psychiatrist since I was like nine years old, all the way up to, up until like 16, 17 years old. He became my family member. He was the only person that I could talk about these specific thoughts as we were go, you know, going over medication and things like that. And he would help me so much. Number five, or, yeah, I really got to cut, cut it out with the numbers. I don't know how to react when people talk to me. So jokingly, the thing that I say nowadays is my worst thing, ironically enough, because I do public speaking, my job in, it requires a lot of you know speaking, I am terrible with small talk. I cannot be more awkward with small talk. But even going to college, going to high school, I remember it was uh, my physical education class in high school. I was sitting down on the right side of the classroom. And at one point, he told me out loud, and I could tell he had good intentions, but just, Juan, how come you never talk? And my immediate response was, I have nothing to say. And that carried over with me for many years. Just like, why was that so normal? And it's because I lack so much human interaction because every time that I tried, because it's not that we tried. It's not that we didn't try, I should say. It's not that my mom, you know, sheltered me. We, we went all the way to Wisconsin for treatment, you know, where otherwise parents would be very scared to get their, their, their children, you know, out of their comfort zone. But I had this built up trauma in Puerto Rico because of things that happened with my father in multiple schools, multiple comments from my family that I became, I guess I can say, socially paranoid. And, and the topic of trauma is something that you're going to see comes up a lot, comes up a lot in the podcast because it's not up until the last couple of years that I realized, yeah, I had this uh, diagnosis for X, Y, and Z, but more so than that, it's the trauma that led to me developing these social uh, deficiencies. I don't stop thinking ever is another thing that I wrote, and this comes up with my obsessive compulsive disorder. You know, we can do an entire episode about that, although going back to episode one, I kind of touched up on it, but if you check out any YouTube videos about mental health professionals explaining that, I feel like that would do it justice more. But basically, even to this day, from the moment that I wake up, from the moment that I go to sleep, I don't stop thinking ever. And I'm not saying that I don't stop thinking about what I'm going to have for lunch, which is absolutely going to happen. I'm actually going to go to Dave & Buster's and going to have myself a lettuce wrap. That's beside the point. When I wake up, my mind is constantly boycotting itself. If I have a good day, usually my mind's like, are you sure you're having a good day? Really? 
really want to think about that. So it was managing my emotions, managing my thoughts. So if I had a good day from the very beginning, I had something good in the morning, for example, I could end the day and still feel like, like uh, you know what? It was a damn good day. I should be proud of that. And it's still hard because remember that obsessive compulsive disorder is all about the intrusive thoughts. The next one is, I've never been sure about what I say or what I do. A lot of people say, fake it till you make it. And honestly, there's been enough evidence out there that shows, yeah, that can help. But you got to be very careful with how you do that. In my case, I had such low self-esteem that whenever I said something, whenever I did something, I felt like it was automatic to me, but there was no motion behind my actions. I always just ask myself, like, is this really what I care about? Is this really what I like? The next one is, I gradually get worse at most of the things that I do. And this actually goes back to the intrusive thoughts, because say I do something really well. Even with this podcast, honestly, I, I have to edit it. I, I do everything for the podcast. I do the social media. I do the recording. Even when somebody says, Juan, you did an incredible job, my friend. When I first listened to the episode, when I probably listened to this one after I record it, I'm going to be like, man, that was, that was a good episode. Second time, um, Juan, did you really get the message across? Listen to your tone. Maybe you spoke too fast, too slow. And I think that it's normal for anybody that is objective, that is their own critic. We are our own worst critic, right? But that's not necessarily a bad thing. It, it challenges us to be that much better. But my train of thought, if I don't control it, I could end up just not caring about my job at a job that I can be good at. So I always got to be constantly thinking, you're good at this. You're good at this. You can actually get the job done. I forgot to mention people. This is a 20-page document. 20 pages if you count both sides. So I am only at page one, and I've only shared a couple of things from that first page. So I think I'm only going to cover a couple of these. I feel like it is important to, to always look back at the past. What really surprised me as I began to read this list multiple times, I also did it last night before you know we got here today, I was like, wow, I forgot how I felt because when you when you live through trauma, when you live through these events, I think it's natural for us to want to just sort of put that under the table and forget about it. And admittedly speaking, sometimes it's pretty good to do that because they're terrifying moments. These are messed up thoughts, and I'm not I'm not including some of the really juicy ones in a bad way, but they can also be a source of motivation. So the next one here, I'm always scared about doing something outside of my room. So going back to that dirty room that I had, that's pretty much where I spent most of my time. Admittedly, playing games, watching movies, I would write a lot of times. I literally would wake up, look up at the ceiling, and do nothing. That was it. I would do absolutely nothing because I was so scared of what was going to happen outside of my room that that just became my shelter. And initially, that was a good thing. But I was so scared of leaving that. And eventually, if we want to work, if we, if we want to have a car or family, we got to leave the room, not just to go to the bathroom and eat. Another one here, I can't control myself when I'm angry. Down the line, I'm going to be doing an episode about this, about controlling our emotions, controlling our, our reactions. I think sometimes we can be a little bit too reactive. You know, think back to your worst fights. 
you know, not physically speaking, but emotionally and verbally speaking, maybe a fight that you had with a loved one. You're like, wow, if I had just taken a step back and thought about what I was going to say for just 10 seconds, not 30 minutes, but just 10 seconds, how different would that situation have played out? I stopped growing when I turned 11 years old. This one really hit me because I love 90s. I love 80s stuff, even though I was born in 1999. But I feel like the reason that I'm, I sometimes shelter myself with a lot of movies you know, from the 90s, early 2000s, it's not even because they're good, but they reminded me of a time and place where I was my own best friend. I was the only person that was helping myself. And whenever I hit play on that song, you know, thinking about your Metallicas and Guns N' Roses and ACDC, or I watched that movie, you know, Black Sheep and Beverly Hills Ninja from Chris Farley, or those games, Final Fantasy Tactics and 7 and 8 and 9 on the PS1, it reminds me, I came from there. That was my worst, even though those were my best. Those were my best resources. I love this next one. I'm writing this while eating at Subway with people laughing at me in the background. So at least I was self-aware. We, we got to focus on the positives. And, and even when I was writing this, I'm a pretty sarcastic person, sometimes too sarcastic to the point that people don't quite get it. But the fact that I could tell I was really messed up. I mean, above that, I wrote, I am making a effing list about my faults. And then just below that is, I'm riding this whole eating at Subway. So we, we got to laugh, people. I'm not who I was then. And I'm proud to read this as a source of motivation. Here's another one. I've yet to get my driver's license. And I think that with this one, this is where I was really thinking about setting goals. Because a lot of this, I was just sort of letting loose. I was just expressing how I felt. But a lot of these cannot be tied to a specific action. Whereas with this one, it's like, okay, I don't have a driver's license, but... I can, I can practice, I can train, I can hopefully do that. And the reason that I hadn't done that up until I was 20 years old, because I think I got that a year later, is because I was scared because of my anxiety. Because, get this, it wasn't, it wasn't me so much boycotting myself. It was me believing the, the false expectations that people living with anxiety can't do certain things because I would read so many false articles, so many things online, you know, in forums and things like that, that I believed I could never achieve that. I believed that I could never do that. And uh, I like driving. It's actually very therapeutic for me. Wow, this is really bad. I pretend to act nice even when I feel like crying. So this is a very heavy one, and I can barely even make out what I wrote. But it shouldn't surprise us, right? Just thinking about the fact that it's just a, a heavy thing. I remember I would go to college. I could be just in a random class, and all of a sudden, I would feel a tear coming down my eye. I could be at home playing a video game that I loved. I could be walking down the street. I could be taking a shower. Especially, I feel like at that point, the worst two moments were whenever I was isolated. So if I was just alone at home or taking a shower, those moments that allowed me to reflect upon my life because I feel like, let's be real, whenever we're on the toilet, whenever we're taking a shower, we're thinking, about, we're thinking about ways that we can change the world, right? It's just therapeutic there. But when when your train of thought is not all that great, instead of thinking about the ways to solve the problems, you're thinking of a permanent way to end your life, honestly. 
And I want to read one or two more. And this next one is, this list is the first time in my life that I've ever been honest with myself. When, when I was reading this again, because I, I, I had mentioned I've contemplated throwing away this list. I'm never going to do that. It really was. Even though I was sitting at a subway that has a very particular smell, and I hope I had taken a shower, a long shower after that, because the, the, the smell of the yeast from the subs is just horrible. It was the first time that I had no excuses. Whatever I wrote, I meant. As dirty, as clean, as funny, as terrible, you know, whatever I wrote was, I was being honest with myself. And even though it was messed up, it was therapeutic. I was smiling a lot of the times, even though my anxiety was definitely going up. But guess what? It would go down afterwards because I realized, hey, I can actually do this. I can actually begin to change a couple of these things. Maybe I don't know how, but the fact that I'm writing this answers one of the questions, which is, do I like this because I say that I like this, or do I like this because I genuinely have a passion, because I genuinely want to do that in my life? And the moment that I wrote these things down, I knew I actually wanted to make a positive change in my life. So I want to look for uh, two more specific ones. Uh, here's one of them. If I die today, I don't know what I would regret not doing. I'm going to read that again. If I die today, I don't know what I would regret not doing. I feel like a lot of us were motivated by the opposite, right? Like say we die tomorrow, we would think like, what was our life like? You know, am I satisfied with what I did? In my case, I, I would have no regrets at that point of like, oh, I didn't get to travel the world. I didn't get to have a job. I just didn't care. So reading that again made me ask the same thing now. And I challenge each and every one of you to do, to do the same. If you did die today, what would you regret not doing? What are you thankful for the fact that you did actually accomplish that? And I feel like that is one of the main sources of motivation that can really help us get to a beautiful place. And this one, folks. Um... This one made me cry a little bit. What does it take to fix someone like me? Whatever the case, I'm probably not worth it. Going to read it again. What does it take to fix someone like me? Whatever the case, I'm probably not worth it. On the first episode, I believe I said that the moment that we're diagnosed with mental health challenges... People don't see us as failures, you know, talking about the people that, that discriminate, that stigmatize. They see us as irrelevant. Like right now, I'm standing, I'm sitting in an office, and there's a window right in front of me. And I feel like the moment that I was diagnosed, it's almost like me in this room is one being isolated, and everything outside that window is the real world, except in my mind, I didn't have a door like I have right now. So I felt like I could yell, I could cry, I could say whatever, but it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth caring about myself. Life was going to go on with or without me. I had nothing to contribute. And fortunately enough, as I sit here now, we're reaching the anniversary. You know, I wrote this on September 9th, 2009. I can say, I know I've made a positive change in someone's life. I shouldn't be ashamed to say that. Whether it be a small or a huge change, 
you've made a positive change in someone else's life. And we got to stop being so ashamed of being so good at some things. We got to focus on the good stuff, shove the bad things to the side, and not be afraid to speak up and be honest, not even with others, but be honest with ourselves. So I hope that this episode was uh, was a good indication of where I was, because even just saying this out loud has reminded me, has made me realize just how much I've changed and how much all of us can change. I think it's easy for us to look at a loved one that is going down a dark path and say, ah, they'll never change. That's not going to happen. The person asked for it. But for every Juan Velas, I am literally one of thousands, of thousands of people. I'm just another person that overcame many challenges. I'm not the best. I'm not the worst. I simply am. And you are too. And everybody else that is going through a challenge, they are as well. And they have the chance to make a positive change in their lives. We just got to be able to help each other out. So as I mentioned, I'm probably going to be going back to this list in a couple of months down the line just so we can reflect. Actually, you know, in September, we're going to do that in the anniversary. Hopefully I don't lose the list, but let me know uh, what you thought about this episode because the next one, we're going to switch things up because this one was all about the negative thoughts, the negative perceptions that I had about myself. The next episode is going to be all about the good stuff Five activities that make me happy right here, right now in 2019. The activities that keep me motivated, that keep me hungry for success, that keep me hungry for wanting to have the cup of coffee with my wife in the morning, that keep me motivated to spend time with my family. But before I leave, don't forget to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform of choice, whether it be you know, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Apple Podcasts. We are available on YouTube for the video version. So if you want to see my live reaction of what is going on, you can subscribe there as well. But you can never forget that I always have for you a recommended resource, futureme.org. So future me as in me, right? You, me. Futureme.org is a website where you can actually write a letter to yourself. You can have it either be private or public. You can publish it in one, three, five years time. You can set a specific date and it'll actually email you what you wrote to yourself in the past. You can even attach a picture and I actually did this. I actually got that email uh, last year during my birthday because I wrote something five years before and I can honestly say that I was able to far exceed the expectations that I have for myself five years prior to when I actually got that. So once again, that is futureme.org. I challenge you, write a little sum to yourself in the future. So in one, three, or five years time, you look at, you can look at that and go like, wow, pretty good. You did pretty good for yourself. So if you want to reach out to me, I'm available on all social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Happy FL. You can reach my personal uh, Instagram at Juan Velas Court, or if you want to send me an email, you can do so by going to Juan at HappyToFell.com. So up until next time, don't forget that the next episode is going to be about five activities that make me happy. So take care. Have yourself an awesome afternoon, awesome life. Never forget that coffee is beautiful, and you, my friend, you matter. Take care. <laughs>